This is the Blue, White and Yellow podcast from Leeds United Live, giving you the in-depth analysis on all the big talking points from Ellen Road. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to Ellen Road. Just three, less than three days since uh, Joe Donoghue and, and I, Baron Cross, we're here um, analysing one of the, the lower points of, of the club's recent history. But today, the elation is um, it's quite hard to put into words, really. Uh, Leeds United 2, Norwich City 1, with one of the most important batches of three points uh, the club has seen in several years for various reasons. Um, it was dramatic. Uh, it was memorable. Jesse Marsh has said that he'll probably remember it on his deathbed. Norwich were appalling and dreadful and we'll get into that and the caveats with this but ultimately at the outset we should stress it's three points and that is absolutely all that matters um huge huge three points still a lot of work to do in this season um nine games to go nine games yeah nine games to go um just pivotal in stopping the rot turning things around and being able to go into games like wolves on friday with renewed optimism um initial thoughts how, how are you feeling about it Relieved, I think is the word. I think that was the the, the overriding emotion uh, around Ellen Road at, at the final whistle. Um, obviously, euphoria at the late late winner, but it, I think it's just relief that, that that it's three points and it's not a it's not another situation where we're, we're sat here chatting about mm. dropped points or missed opportunities uh, because there were opportunities that were missed today. And you know, you when when Kenny McLean slid in for that that Norwich equaliser, you were you were ruining those missed chances and. Thankfully, we don't have to, to reflect too too negatively on them um, because in the end, it's three points and it's a four-point gap now between Leeds and the, and the bottom three instead of a two-point gap in the way that they started the day. Um, like Joe says, at 1-1, when, when Kenny McLean slides in there, I mean, <laughs> the, bereft. The, the depth of the, the feeling when that happens is completely in direct contrast to the elation of Gellhart's late winner I mean that's just exactly what football is all about and I know we can pick holes in it and look at it and say it was it was Norwich and you know we should never have been in that situation that's why you felt at 1-1 you know through you know, from from Rodrigo's opener onwards we were saying they should be two or three up here if not four or five yeah. and they're going to regret this because it just it's got a late Norwich equaliser written all over it and, and even as late as McLean's goal came we were still thinking oh the Norwich goal isn't going to come. You know they're not they're not going to find that equaliser. You know surely this is not in the script. And then for him to slide in like that, completely silenced the stadium. Um, thankfully, there wasn't enough time really for the toxicity to come in. It may well have done it full time, but thankfully somehow Norwich, as poor as they are, did not know how to keep things tight. Rafinha comes in one on one with Tim Krul. We're all thinking this this is best case scenario. This is the one player on the pitch we want to be in this situation. You wonder what he's going to do as the composure to go around him and then everybody just has a sharp intake of breath. He goes to the, the byline and somehow manages to find and thankfully there was a striker on the pitch of, of Joe Gellhart's quality to, to smash into a virtually empty net with, with a couple of Norwich stragglers in and around him. But an amazing, amazing moment and regardless of the other caveats with that and this should never have been in that situation. Football is what those moments are all about and... It's a moment we've kind of expected all season for Gellhart. You know, we, we saw a little bit of it at Chelsea and we thought that might have been his moment. Um, but in terms of sheer impact, timing... What it means. That that was kind of what it's been building up to all season, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, we had 
at Ellen Road earlier this season, the, the Maisie run that Gelhart went on to win Rodrigo's late penalty for the equaliser against Wolves. And I think that was a game in which Leeds deserved something from it. Uh, maybe not all three points, but today they deserved three points. Um, they, they really did. And, and for Gelhart to come on in the 91st minute to, to win the initial header, which knocks it into Rafinha's path, for him to then go one-on-one -on -one with, with Krull, um, and then for him to be to, to pop up in the middle as, as he cuts it back was was extremely fitting and it was it, it it was exactly what this stadium needed you know I mean three points absolutely but the player that everybody has been has been begging to see more of to be thrust on into the action uh, you know when I think it was just after Kenny McLean had scored immediately after it, it yeah. was immediately after that was a reaction substitution and it was. Um, that the moment, the, the elation in that moment was just incredible. You know, just around there was a there was a, a, a man stood in front of us and in, in, just in front of the press box who was just repeatedly banging the the I don't know what you'd call it, sort of the the wooden bit that separates the press box from the seats in front. Just repeatedly, there's lots of people who turned around and as you're trying to tweet goal and as you're trying to, to update the blog and everything, you're just sort of just screaming in your face. And it was just it was a moment of pure elation and. I looked up because you sort of nudged me and the entirety of the Leeds United bench had sprinted onto the pitch following Joffe uh, into the corner of, um, of, of the, 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 the cop and, and, and the West Stand. Um, it was like Swansea away if anybody needs yeah. some context if you haven't seen it. It was, it was like Pablo's goal at, at the Liberty when the bench emptied the stand and, and ran onto the pitch and completely mobbed him and I do wonder how history will come to reflect on the importance of that goal from Gellerhart and what the final nine games uh, have to go because we know they're not safe yet and there's still going to be a lot more twists and turns and we know that there's probably going to be a few more defeats on the way and also hopefully some surprise victories against teams that we might not expect it against so it will go up and down but, but ultimately they, they've got the match that they had to win you, know, yeah. you, you cannot lose or you know, we can't, can't even draw at home to a team like Norwich and expect to yeah. deserve to remain up um, they, they really really were poor and if anything I feel a bit sorry for their fans if they've had to watch that all season um, just utterly dreadful I, I, did, I think Leeds were good but they didn't need to be much better than no, that no they didn't Leeds I mean you don't want to do a disservice to how well Leeds have played in other games across the past three or four years so you kind of have to put everything within the context of one another and you know Leeds just Leeds didn't really have to go beyond the seven out of ten really and look in complete control and, and have a litany of chances that they failed to put away. I mean that's that's the other thing. If if it had finished one one, then you're looking at the forward line and thinking, right, well, you know, you've played pretty well, but you know, what are you doing? Why are you not putting these chances away? Um so if we, we go back to the start, um Bamford started, yeah. which which right now feels like a good decision, but at the yeah. time we, we were nervous and we did think, you know, Eight days earlier, he was considered no better than 10 minutes, and then we're putting him in from the start. It, we haven't asked the question directly, but it sounds like the half-time change wasn't pre-planned. It sounds like it was a case of Bamford and management looking at it and thinking, play it by ear. That's been really, really intense. It might be sensible for me to come off here. My, my race is pretty much run. Um, if I was to continue, A, I might not make that much more of an impact, and B, there's a chance of severely injuring myself in the red zone. So... That was a, a surprise, but ultimately a pleasant one because he immediately changed the dynamic, didn't he? Yeah, he did. I think just the way that he was able to play on the shoulder of the last man, the way that he was able to, to contribute to the attacking moves, just that innate striker's movement, which as you know... It's as, easy to forget, isn't it? It's you, so you easy forget, to forget. Just, just knowing what runs to make. No, literally, knowing what runs to make, knowing where to drag central defenders, 
it, we, we've missed it this season. We've, we've missed it. And, and you know, you, you obviously have Dan James, who's a whipper and who's done a fantastic job of, of trying to stand in and, and deputise and, and Rodrigo at times as well. But they're, they're not Bamford. And I think today, even, even at a 45-minute fitness level of Bamford, he's probably not at 75% yet, no. realistically. This, this was his first start at Ellen Road for six months and one day. Um, and he's played... 50 minutes in the in the interim period before that mm. for, the, for the first team so um, yeah th- for, for him to play 45 minutes is obviously a boost Jesse Marsh said in his press conference just then that he should be fine for Friday um, so again reason for optimism there that he hasn't on, on the face of things re-injured himself um, but I mean that was the big starting lineup point Diego Llorente came back in uh, Stuart Dallas went over to left back and Luke Ayling moved back to right back um, so the back four was left to right, Dallas, Strauk, Llorente and Aylin. And I thought they, they did reasonably well um, in the first half. There wasn't, I mean, again, the caveat is it's Norwich, but mm. I think they did, they did well enough to, um, to, to, to limit them to a few half chances. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, Bamford was the, 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 big, the big name in, in the attack. But I mean, around him, you had James on the right, Rafinha on the left, which is a little bit different. Um, and then Rodrigo sort of in behind and Click and Forshaw as the two more sort of holding central midfield players. Um, I, I think first half especially it, it worked and if that is a team that, that can, can play like that with that fluidity and that, that coherence um, going forward, I think there's, there's reason for optimism and to be encouraged there because it did work, it did click. There were lots of sort of those exchanges where the left back would play into the central midfielder who then play it to the left winger who then play it into Bamford as the striker or Rodrigo's the number 10 and there, there, were, there were a few really nice moves which ultimately didn't end in a goal but um, but, but you know again were, were just like we said at, at Leicester were, were reason for, for encouragement I was really really pleased to see Forshaw and Click in the middle I think that as a double pivot that just works so much better and, and I really hope that that, that now stays the case and, until otherwise um both of them read the game really, really well. Forshaw anticipated danger very, very well. Um, before the late madness, he was in what looks like a fairly straightforward one there when he was probably going to be my player of the match in terms of just the calmness and the ability he brought on the ball. He, he unleashed a lot of lead attacks from deep. He intercepted danger. Um, and, and having click in there, he's just got that turning circle that's a bit better than the likes of, of Robin Cocker or Pascal Stroik in that position. And, and the passing ability and also just the legs to get forward and get beyond... Um, beyond the, the, the four attackers so I was pleased to see that um, and the chances just, just kept coming really I mean Rodrigo we know was, was possibly the shock name that did start given how bad it was on uh, Thursday but we did get some some nice insight from Jesse Marsh and that it, it sounds like they have had pretty frank conversations and Marsh clearly well aware you get the impression that Marsh is, is always going to look for those opportunities to have those one-to-one chats if he can have them he clearly values that personal touch with the players and yeah, Rodrigo's a big enough boy to know that he did not play particularly well on Thursday and so it sounds like there have been group meetings, meetings with the leadership council in Marsh's words and, and Rodrigo is on that uh, and then a one-to-one with Rodrigo himself and Marsh has been very impressed with, with what Rodrigo has said there's been some buy-in from him and, and the vision for, for how Marsh sees him fitting into the team and thankfully with a bit of help off, off Ben Gibson's legs um, gets that opening goal which just completely releases the pressure valve I mean it was thick with tension in here before kickoff, and you really wondered how the players were going to react and as poor as Norwich were the Leeds players were playing with a lot of pressure on them today and, and deserve a lot of credit for coming through that and putting out a very coherent performance 
So the goal takes the pressure off completely and, and in the first half, you know, Norwich didn't really show a great deal at all, to be honest. And, and the takeaway was Leeds should have been two or three up with yeah. Rafinha from close range, Stroit from close range yeah. and Bamford's 1v1. Yeah, those are the three that stick out, the, the chances. I mean, Rodrigo's finish, it's not an easy finish you know he's kind of hit he's coming onto that first time and mm. he's kept it low he's kept it hard it's beaten Crow. but the chances that Leeds had otherwise in the first half were, were arguably easier to put away I mean there's a really good passage of play that I think I think it's Pascal Stroik who who releases Rafinha down the right he then switches play to Bamford on the left and Bamford kind of just nonchalantly looks up and just crosses it and you think there's nobody in there to head it but Rafinha's steaming in and and he arrives and kind of Side foot, side foot volleys it onto the crossbar, the side of the bar, bounces yeah. on on the underside of the bar, and then and then out, and then it leads get a corner from it. That was a that was a huge chance. Um, and and then in, the, in the very next corner, from that corner, you know Pascal Struck wins the header at the back post. Kroll saves it quite low, and then it rebounds to him. And you're thinking, just just put it in. Apparently, the strike one's the worst. Apparently, that's the one way it's, it's, it's like he literally he it should be in the roof of the net yeah. from two yards out. It's, it's inside the six-yard box, or at the very least. Oh, it's on, in, oh well inside the six-yard box on, yeah. on the line, and it, he, he manages to blaze it over. And you think that is a huge, huge opportunity to go two 0 up after about 30, 35 minutes, and then just on the verge of half time, wasn't it? The the Bamford one. Um, Rafinha again breaking forward, plays in Bamford, and he kind of hesitates, doesn't he? He's almost like he, he's very. It's, nonchalant. it's almost like the referee had blown the whistle. Yeah. He sort of was all in slow motion, and then kind of very nonchalantly just side foots it, and you think for Not that level close. of confidence, you want to be hitting the target at least. But Krull's Krull's on rushing, he's beaten, but he, he was it, on rushing all day, wasn't he? Puts it wide. Krull was Krull was on rushing no matter what. Towards happened. anything that happened, any, he was on rushing. Any stoppage, he was out out of his area and also I'd just like to mention for people who weren't at Ellen Road during the, the 95th minute the um, Norwich had a, had a had an opportunity from a set piece and obviously Tim Krull comes up trying to get an equaliser he clips it is clip the right word he kind of prods it into the path of Timo Puki. Puki shoots Melier saves it either with his fingertips or his forehead or a mixture of both and then Leeds kind of look to counter down the left hand side and Tim Krull kind of just thinks you know, I don't fancy running all the way back to my goal. You, you like to defend that. I'm going to play in midfield. Um, so it was all very crazy um, as, as uh, in the closing stages, but it shouldn't have got to that point. It, no. it was, it, it was a game where Leeds should and, and could have put it to bed at half time. So Bamford comes off at the break. Harrison comes on. Harrison much spikier, much more like, ironically, in the same week that Jesse Marsh has mentioned him being a, an sob. He, he played much more like that and really got into Max Aaron's skin. Max Aaron's was just bubbling away with absolute anger. You know, I'm amazed he didn't get sent off, but Harrison, you know, got himself yellow and didn't really back off. And obviously, he's a winger, makes some quite awkward tackles at times, um, but thankfully managed to stay on the pitch. But but he was decent enough uh, in coming on for for Bamford. But we were fearing the worst a little bit and reverting largely to the shape that we we played with on on Thursday night. But Norwich certainly came more into the game, yeah. but but again, until they equalised, the overriding emotion was Leeds should be two, three, or four up here. Um, you wouldn't have said the Norwich equaliser was coming. Like no, they, they you felt Leeds had seen half. off the worst of it. They hit the bar from sort of a curling effort as Leeds failed to clear. Yeah. But apart from that, I can't really think of any clear-cut chances that they did have before the, before they actually did the, score. The big moment, almost as big as the goals, was the VAR shout, which yeah. was just glorious in its own way. Um, at speed and with where Atwell was stood, I had no complaints with him giving it. You know, with, with where he stood, you can only see what's happened there via the replay. You can't in real time see 
the timing of, of who was tackled who first and, and, and it looked very much like Ailing's gone to ground in the box which is always just giving the referees uh, a decision to make uh, Rasicka's gone down and you're kind of thinking well that's it then I mean just completely chucked it away we always knew this was going to happen complete implosion welcome to the championship and then obviously we that we then get the replays on the monitors and, and we then saw initially oh you know, the VAR should at least look at that I mean to us at, at face value it did look like Ailing got there first and Rasicka's stood on Ailing's leg which of course is unstable and then goes down himself so thankfully the right decision was made and, and the place did erupt like a goal had been scored and again that just took the pressure off as well. Um, until the, the late, late madness and, and as we've said, Norwich sliding with, with a goal that doesn't like it's coming but Leeds should, should be dealing with that. Llorente deserves a bit of criticism for not going with his man. You, you cannot allow Kenny McLean to run off you and get to the ball before you um, as it gets towards the near post. And then, yeah, we've already talked about it but Rafinha's composure to, to go around Krull and then set up Joe Gelhart is just absolutely incredible and top class it does just 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 a massive sigh of relief really like Joe says it's just it's just a huge huge relief yeah I mean you look ahead and you think well okay 26 points now from from 29 games still obviously not a great record but the the run of the succession of losses has has been put to a stop you know that's now I think it's the sixth successive defeat for Norwich you've got to be looking at the team's teams below them obviously the, you know there'll be other results in the Premier League today which will have had an impact I mean Norwich though you I think Dean Smith in his post-match there was kind of he was appearing quite resigned to the talking reality. about his daughter's 19 year old birthday just deflecting completely from the fact I yeah. think I think the question was about um, where, where does this leave you now you, you're, in a t- you're in a tough spot now how do you how on earth do you get those players up and motivate them for anything else in the final nine or ten games however many they've got left and um he said he's got to pick himself up first and he's got to go and have dinner for his, for his daughter's 19th birthday. And he's thinking, yeah, you kind of not really answered the question there, Dean. I think we all know... Uh, I mean, yeah, you can't expect him. I mean, he probably does agree, but yeah, he can't, he can't, say he can't expect a manager to come out and be that honest and say, yes, we're down because... With nine games to go. It's a complete, you know... It's just, that's just a massive excuse for the players just to call it in for the rest of the season. But they look pretty much done. Um... And it's Wolves on Friday before the international break. Um, Wolves very, very good at the back across the season. They've been very, very tight at the back. So we'll have to see what, what goes on there. But it does just take the edge off. Um, Injuries-wise, so Bamford, he, he said it, he didn't go as far as say it was pre-planned. But I think there was just a general common sense approach taken with that. And thankfully, they've not missed him too much in the second half. Or at least not as much as they could have done. We, we were fearing the worst. But Rodrigo, it sounds like, is the bigger doubt. I mean we have still got five days to go until that match and, and, and Marsh was quite honest in saying you know, I'm not going to write anybody in or out of the team um, but Rodrigo would have the bigger question mark he had quite a lot of strapping on his right thigh which he was quite keen to to show the cameras as he came off he was quite quick to sort of roll up that, that short leg um, so we'll see um, how he gets on but generally it feels like we're in a, a much better and rosier place and the structure of the team looks like it's there now I think you keep the centre yeah. mids in place you try and, you know, you, all being well, Bamford is, is only going to get fitter from here on out. So you start with him, you start with James and Rafinha. I mean, ideally, you don't really make any changes, do you? Yeah, I think based on that first half performance, yes, it was Norwich, but Leeds created lots of chances. And you have to think that even against a stronger opponent, you'll still create some chances. So I think that at the moment, with the options available, I think that is that the, the team that started today is probably the, the strongest 
11 that you can go to Wolves with. Obviously, you know, Cooper and Phillips are, are coming back, but they're not going to be ready for Wolves, or at least that's not the expectation. Um, so, yeah, not far off being sort of back to full full fitness, full avail availability. Um, but the thing that, at the back of your mind, you are thinking, well, it's only Norwich, it's only 26 points, mm. it's only four points clear of the drop zone. They have to use this as a platform. They can't rest on their laurels and think, oh, what a what a great last gasp winner that was and and, and, and pat themselves on the back because it has to be going forward now and, and getting more results like that, digging in when, when they've maybe been hit by adversity in, in the, at the 11th hour. So, Master's credit did say that. I mean, yeah, did, Marsh, yeah. Marsh didn't allow him, so it could have quite easily got carried away and didn't. He, he had to sort of rein in the journalists, really, and say, you know, this is just the start. There's still... Lots of work to do. Yeah, there's a lot of work to do. You, you reiterated that point quite a few times. That there is a lot still to do and a lot to change in this formation and this system. Um, but, of course, we all know about the, the time pressures they're under. They've just had a midweek game, so they do need a bit more time. And you know, even to Friday, Friday's not a full week. We've still only got five days, so... You'd imagine Monday's going to be a recovery day and then you're looking into maybe light training Tuesday. Wednesday's probably a big day where they get on the training field and contemplate his version. I, th I think he has got something similar to murder ball, although it's, it's obviously going to be very different to what Marcelo does. But in terms of that big training session they do before a game, you're looking at Tuesday or Wednesday for that. And then by Thursday, you're then back into sort of those, those pre-match light sessions that are sort of just, just keeping the muscles ticking over and maybe a bit of video. Mm. Uh, he again said again today... Um, it's been so much video up to now, which is kind of the, the best way to, to get his methods into them. Um, so we'll see. I, I would imagine we'll probably hear from him on Wednesday. That's, that's generally the format press conferences. I think Thursday's probably leaving it a little bit late. So hopefully we'll hear from him on Wednesday and have a bit of breathing space between press conference and match and, and get that, that final bit of team news. Um, but for now, we will we'll love you and leave you. But you know, enjoy the win. Bask in it this evening and that, that feeling. It's been so long. They've not taken the lead in the game first since Villa away, and even that seemed like it was sort of taken away from them quite quickly. Yeah. Um, not one since West Ham. Yeah, West Ham. Yeah, the Harrison. Not one since West Ham. Yeah, lots of change since then. Oh God. So try and enjoy it, and yeah, try and ignore the fact it was possibly one of the worst teams the Premier League's ever seen they beat, and just just enjoy it, and and try and. It's the momentum and it's, it's a, I think it's a psychological boost of it. Regardless of who they're playing, just that winning feeling. You know, we, we could hear the music blaring in the dressing room. We could see how elated the players were. You know, They were all so ecstatic at full time. Rafinha was dead on his feet, wasn't he? Um, yeah, there were on lots the of players on the deck. Rodrigo coming time. over. Marsh was, was obviously hugging them all, trying to get into the huddle. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, just one more thing as well. Tuesday night, um, the 23s are playing here at Ellen Road. Um, expecting quite a good turnout because playing Manchester United oh, yeah, in the league, cool. and they're still they're still battling to stay in PL2 Division One, the top flight of under 23 football. So, um, yeah, if, uh, if people want to get down to Ellen Road and watch a bit of the under 23s, then I'll be here on on Tuesday night for for that as well. Come and say hello. Come and hassle Joe. <laughs> Come and bang on the board in front yeah, of the press box. Board, yeah, yeah. We we enjoy that rhythm to our uh, yeah. our work. Um, thanks for joining, guys. Great great numbers in this one, as you'd expect after a win. Enjoy yourselves and just, just relax for the next few days and, and just try and feel like it's going to be okay. There's, there's so many reasons to believe it's going to be okay. Um, but if we don't see you before, we will see you on Friday night in the West Midlands at Molyneux.